This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Oh, this is so cool, a pod race. Is this seat taken? Can I sit here? All right, thank you. The engines are starting up. And they're still starting up. So do we just do we just wait for them to come back around? This is this is crazy. So how do we know who's in first? No, we just wait. Okay. <clears throat> oh, here they come. No. Okay. Oh, there they are. Okay. Yes. Who's in first? Come on, let's go! Woo! There we go. We're going. Do they do they sell popcorn or Ronto roasters at concession? I don't know if this is worth a hundred credits. It's just a lot of sitting around and waiting for these pod racers to go by for three seconds. I was told this was going to be exciting. The guy who sold me these tickets was full of sh**. This is the way. We want it been. everybody to the smugglers galaxy podcast episode number 27 i'm glenn and with me as always is jason jason how are you this morning good how are you how was your week it was good it was a good week can't complain good i was busy yeah i i, I heard there were some surprises yeah. in store for me not only that but just work-wise i was busy it's been a busy week yeah, I, I've noticed that traffic and stuff is starting to pick up. So hopefully that means uh, things are starting to get back to normal. Yeah, no, I noticed that the same thing March 1st rolled around. And I think a virtual virtual working has kind of faded a little bit and people are returning to the offices. So traffic has been back to normal this week. Yeah, and that's good for me because I'm in, you know, business to business in coffee service. So hopefully that means things will pick up for actually I've seen it. Things are starting to pick up. So that's good. Good. Good, goody, good. So, uh, yeah, 
So what'd you get this week? Oh, only thing I got this week was I found the Baby Yoda and Pram, the Hot Wheels. Oh yeah, oh, I forgot uh, that. I picked yeah. that up too. I saw you posted about it. It's pretty cool. I mean, I know a lot of people didn't like it, but or didn't get it. But you know, like I said, it it, it goes along with their whole setup of releasing figures from the Mandalorian. So why not do a Baby Yoda? Yeah, whoever at Mattel figured out that we can make a Baby Yoda figure by making the vehicle should get a raise because they don't have the license, I don't think, to make figures. So Ugh. this was like a workaround, right? I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know. What I don't know either. Yeah. But that that's genius. If that's whoever did it, yes, deserves definitely deserves a raise. I had this for the news, but it's topical because we're okay. talking about it. Did you see that Mattel $400 pram? Yes, I had that down too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. In what universe would you have $400 to buy that? <laughs> Somebody who really likes Baby Yoda and 400 and had $400. I mean, it looks legit. It's got like the folding um top part kind of covers him. It's got translucent a translucent base to make it seem like it's hovering, but still it's $400 like I think better be made of metal. I'm sure it has to be, man. Um, yeah, it's. I guess they're just trying to, you know, I guess they're thinking people are getting money, you know, with the stimulus checks coming. So why not make a $400? Let's go for that stimulus money. Let's make a pram. <laughs> but even, even more, they made a one that actually floats. They, I guess they designed a, a base with a magnet in it. And then the pram's got another magnet in it. And it actually floats, and they, they only did like three or four of them, and they're supposed to be auctioning one off. And I, I don't know the details because I never took the time to look it up. To me, that would be worth the $400. I think it's going to go for more than $400. No, I know, but I'm saying like they should have made that as their $400 pram. Right. And then you can just put it on a coffee table somewhere and spin that sucker around until the child <laughs> throws up from being too dizzy. Well, but not only does it have the $400, it's got the, what is it? It's got the little sucky thing, the uh, octopus looking thing that sucks to his head. And oh, does it? Yeah. And I think it, it's either got the ball or the macaroons. Oh. So it has some some stuff with it, but still. It, yeah. I, I guess. The, the child itself is just the Mattel child that's currently available, like at Walmart for 25 bucks, right? It I mean, that's what it looks a, like. Yeah. It may be an upgraded version of that, but that's basically what it is. It's a $50 child in a 350 dollar pram very cool yeah not not for me but very cool <laughs> yeah i'm not i don't have the room for it or the 400 i yeah like i i've got if i have 400 dollars to spend on something it's going to be something vintage or yeah you know a really really badass yep. pre-production piece so that was it just the child in, in the hot wheel Pram. In the Hot Wheel, yeah, I'm I'm waiting for some stuff. Hopefully, shows up today. When you when you get stuff that's shipped, how often do you check your uh, notifications? Every hour. <laughs> yeah. Where is it now? Where, Where is it now? Is it in is it in Georgia? Right. Oh, it's in Tennessee. Come on, man. And then you see that where it's in. Uh, like I've got one. It says that it, it it's coming from China, so that the tracking's lagging, um. but. It'll show it's in one spot for two days, and then all of a sudden, when it updates, it's 24 hours late. Yeah. And I've got one that says it departed the Morrow Distribution Center a day ago, which Morrow's only an hour and a half south of us. So okay. I'm 
you know, not even, it's like an hour south of us. So I'm hoping it's at the post office ready to be delivered today. Yeah. Out for delivery. That's the best notification you can get. I know what you picked up, at least some of it, because I was kind of bidding on it. And I just, yeah. I was just curious what it would go for. Tell me what you got. Yep. So I, um, well, where to begin? I'm back in quarantine, <laughs> back in spending quarantine. Let's start there. Dude, Toyland is in two weeks. You can't be I'm there. Out. I'm out. No, I'll right. be there. Right. I'll be there for the experience. I'll be there to sit at the Georgia table, um, but I'm not. I'm not buying anything. Oh. No, unless there's like some t- sort of twenty dollar micro machine prototype, dirt cheap or something like that. I'm out. I, <laughs> I just can't. But I did see that Big Bad Toy Store had the VC one forty eight. Uh, no, excuse me, that's that's the one I'm missing. There was a ba- Bausch Lea, the vintage collection, which I never picked up. And they had it for just regular price. So wow. I'm like, yeah. So the only modern, and I say modern from since they restarted the vintage collection, the only one I'm missing is VC-148, the Imperial Assault Trooper, tank, trooper, commander, whatever you want to call them. So that's the only one I'm missing. So that one should be on, on delivered today. Speaking of tracking, I saw that the, the I have a package coming in USPS today. So I'm hoping that's it. Awesome. So it's out for delivery. Yay. Um, and then deal or no deal. I made a deal um, for three first shot Boba Fetts, which was something on my kind of bucket list. I wanted some Boba Fetts, but the only ones I knew Narayan had. So, uh, so I'm glad to have those. And it looks like it's two different versions of Boba Fett. So I like to display them with the pre-production item and then the production item right next to each other. So I'm very excited to get that. Then I also got the uh, paint sample slave one. So after Galoob made every single ship currently available at the time for Star Wars, they decided to dip all those ships into silver paint and then a separate set into bronze paint. So this is a paint sample for the silver set of slave one. And then I bought something really, really big. This is what I'm, I kind of have a feeling because I know we, we talked about it. Yeah. after the chat last week so yep. you spoiled it for me because you're like i'm but not gonna I? i'll tell you where i got it after and i'm like uh you just you ruined know. it for me yeah sorry <laughs> i got the uh i got a prototype hard copy the emperor's royal guard transforming playset. oh wow from from micro machines and it comes with i'm trying to count two three four five six six um hand-painted figures wow it comes with darth vader luke skywalker with their lightsabers, um, you know, drawn out and and they're ready for battle. It comes with two of the Emperor's Royal Guards. It comes with the Emperor and then an Imperial Trooper. And the thing that really is cool, the, the, the things that I've noticed already, the difference between the hand-painted samples and the production samples, the Emperor Royal Guard, let me take a deep breath. <laughs> the Emperor's Royal Guard, their arms, because obviously they're, 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 not capes but whatever they wear is, is bright red but their arms are more pinkish where in the production version it's more burgundy and so there's a little difference there but the thing that's really really cool the emperor is sitting on his throne and it looks like he his hands are, are resting on his throne and then beneath his hands are just like this light blue air paint air airbrushed color on there and it looks like his lightning and so i went to the production item to check that out and it's there the lightning is there they just never painted it 
And so I don't know if it was a cost issue or like we just can't get that detail. Maybe it looked too fake because like I said, it's airbrushed. It doesn't look like lightning bolts. It just looks like someone does a quick run of air, air blue airbrushing on it. And so that's very, very cool. So yeah, that should be here on Monday and I'm ecstatic to get that. And that's, so, that's yeah. Awesome. Like, like Justin said, we created a monster. Yeah. Well, I'm out for this month. So if anything else hits deal or no deal, it's just an absolute zero. No, right now. Yeah. It, it going down that path of prototypes and pre-production stuff is if there's nothing like it, um, you know, I definitely, I want to, I want to talk about it. Well, can, we could do another show down the road on it, but, uh, knowing you have like something that only one or two other people have in the world is, is, is a pretty cool feeling. Yeah. And, and from when I've done some basic research on prototypes and like there's sometimes they're different materials. So I'm interested to see if like this is resin and I compare it to what I have in production. It does look like, so the, the prototypes came with stickers that you would have to, uh, sorry, the production versions came with stickers that you would have to apply just to give it more scenery. So it's just not, you know, flat gray on the interior and it just makes it look more like the Death Star. Mm. And this looks like it's printed out on paper and kind of glued in place. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm looking forward to just opening it up and just kind of soaking it in and, and just seeing what the difference is between the two and doing a compare and contrast. It's going to be awesome when you get those in, yeah. man. Cause I, I remember you'd missed out on a couple a uh, few months ago and you were a little upset. Yep. But I'm good. I'm good for now. I mean, when we, when we started, when we started this, you were talking about our goals and one of my goals, like I didn't really mention it was to get a, a play set. Like I wanted more pre-production micro machines, but I wanted a play set. So it's here we are in March and I'm, I've hit all my goals. So I'm good. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> See you next year. <laughs> now, is that, um, ah, crap. Is that a play set you wanted or was it just one that, you know, happened to come up and you're like, I'm going to grab it or. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I would take any playset. Like, I'm not going to be a snob and say, "Oh, you want the Darth Vader and the Bull with it?" No, I'll, I'll any opportunity you, you take it, right? Because those things don't come up that often. Yeah, I just remember last time, we, right after you got done with the chat last weekend, they were all you were all griping that you know they want to spend Jason's money. They're having <laughs> let's spend Jason's money because somebody yeah. you know, it's fun. <laughs> it's, it's fun to spend someone else's money. It's dangerous too. It's dangerous yeah. for that person because. I'll get notifications and I, you know, I'm in the same boat. I'll, I'll get notifications from somebody and they're like, Hey, look this. Cause I do, I like galactic heroes prototypes. And whenever they pop up on eBay, I always get a couple of notifications and I'm like, all right, I'm going to buy it just cause, cause yeah. of what it is. And it's, you know, if it's under $25, I'll pick it up. Just you would prototype for $25, you know? Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. That'd be awesome. $25 for a prototype. <laughs> is that, does that happen in the Star Wars universe? For Galactic Heroes, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I guess for the action fleet, when you when you divide it up, because you're you're buying a lot for $100, you know, and there's five or six figures in there. So I mm -hmm. guess, you know, you're right there. Yeah, that's true. Except for the Boba Fett tax. Uh, Boba Fett tax. You got to love the Boba Fett tax. Yeah. Uh, same thing, but it's Disney. Boba Fett and it's triple the cost. So yeah. Ahsoka's coming her way. Ahsoka's tax is coming right along. Yeah, that might be more than the Boba tax <laughs> at this point. It's insane. Yeah, speaking of Boba Fett, Hasbro Pulse put the uh, San Diego Comic-Con Fett back on yep. their site. So yep. I don't know if it's just there as a placeholder or are they going to 
do something with it or, or what? I think it was a blink and you miss it. It was available for people to buy for like three seconds and then it was gone because it was sold out. And it, it was probably like a situation where they found, hey, we have three boxes. The fairest thing to do is just to list the three boxes on Hasbro Pulse for two seconds. Those didn't last when they had the 3,000. They didn't last. or No. No. So, yeah, that was up there for a quick hop. Yeah. Quick second. And then Hasbro added a partner exclusive section to their website. Uh-huh. And so it seems like, and Yakface did some digging. They did, uh, they asked customer service kind of what was going on. And allegedly they'll be offering store exclusives on their website, but there's really no other news besides that. So I don't know if that's just for Hasbro Pulse uh, premium membership people or what. So it's all up in the air and there's no, no official word as to how that's going to work just yet. So, but that would be awesome if, if we can order Walmart exclusives from Hasbro and get the free shipping and, and know that the boxes will be taken care of and all that kind of stuff. Cause right. it's so frustrating. Yeah. Maybe they actually listen to you guys and they're going to do it that way. Cause that, yeah, like you said, that would be cool. Cause then yeah, boxes are taken care of and you know, it's, it's going to be, you know, nobody's going to step on it or cut it with a knife or, yeah. you know, some jerk at Walmart go, I'm going to mess with somebody's day. <laughs> I don't think it's that. I think it's more. I don't. I don't care. I just throw this box over there. Yeah. I just don't think they really care all that much. Freaking Walmart. Freaking Walmart. <laughs> the the uh, Black Series. Uh, so Hasbro revealed a Black Series Jump Trooper from was it Battlefront? Oh, I think those so. Guys, those guys were awesome in Battlefront because I loved hitting their bat jetpacks as they were in the sky because they'd fly off and malfunction and crash <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorite parts of that game i'd wait for them to hit the air and then <laughs> and then hit them but the previous version was yellow so this is like a repaint it's gray of course it's a re- repaint well it's better than a just a straight repack i guess yeah at least there's some difference in there you have anything more toy related and then we can kind of change I have a bunch more news. Not all of it's toy related. Some of it's just more Star Wars related. The only other, the only other com- coming out thing I have is Thrawn Ascendancy. Greater Good is coming out May fourth. Right. And there's an excerpt, excerpt on StarWars.com. I haven't read it yet, so I haven't even. Yeah, I haven't even read the first one, so I don't. The first one's good. I mean, it's like I said, it, it it's pretty dry, but it's Thrawn, and it's still a good read, but. I don't know. I'm enjoying High Republic a lot better than I did uh, the Ascendancy. But what else do you have? Rumor has it that Hera is going to replace Cara Dune. Or I don't know if it's real or not, but there's a rumor floating around that Hera is going to replace Cara Dune in Rangers of the New Republic. Okay, where did you get that from? I've just seen it pop up on Facebook. Okay. It wasn't We Got This Covered. It was? I don't know. If it was, okay. you just got to throw that out. <laughs> that rumor out unfortunately i don't know i've never seen that rumor before this is the first i've heard it really yeah so that would be awesome i'd be all in for that is that a website we got this covered yeah they don't have a good track record but i see them all the time on my feed and they'll still pop up with like little tip little rumors like that like hey Hera's going to be on on star wars rebels or or, uh, i'm getting excited (laughs) the mandalorian (laughs) or something 
And then I'll be like, I'm ready to click into it. And then I see we've got this covered. And I'm like, oh, wah, wah. They don't have a good track record. It just seems like someone whispered them like a, a, a rumor. And they're like, oh, let's, let's just run with it. But I just killed you. You <laughs> I just did, crushed you. Well, they're, let's see. Force with Mike. I'm looking it up right now. I'm just kind of seeing what else. A couple of weeks ago, there was a rumor on, I think, Inside the Magic that said George Lucas was writing two episodes of Cassie and Andor. And I'm like, holy crap. Because mm-hmm. Inside the Magic doesn't usually have clickbait. But then I clicked into the article and I started reading it. And he's got credit on two of the episodes for creating characters. <laughs> so that's where his credit comes from. It's not from writing. And I was just like, you sons of, you shouldn't have done that. All right. You sons of beaches. <laughs> <laughs> you sons of sunny beaches uh let me see there's a uh, now you got me going through a, a sorry the damn hole on all right let me click on this youtube link and then see who oh hold on crap who was it no thanks no it's playing through my headphones and i thought oh. you could hear it oh, uh hear it. okay cool <laughs> drum roll yeah just trying to see who did it uh, yeah, these are damn. Yeah, I can't even tell who put it, posted it up. But that would be awesome because you know, Hera is a cool character. She is a hero. She's she's tough. She's got the smarts and and the knowledge to, I don't know, run run a a rebellion or whatever you want to call it against the 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 rising first order. I think that'd be a cool show. Right. And we get to see Jason Sandula. Sure. Yeah, and then you get to see Chopper again. Chopper. You don't get too excited here. Yeah. <laughs> You're writing this story in your head. And then maybe Kanan can come back as a force ghost. And yeah. We can oh. see Zeb in live action. That would be cool to see Zeb in live action. Oh, my God. But would that be more of a prosthetic thing or a uh, CG thing? I don't I guess they'd have to do it CG just as for uh, cost effectiveness, but... I mean, Jar Jar was CG, and he looked pretty decent. Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. <sighs> anyway, you just spoil it for me, Jason. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> just trying to temper expectations. Uh, no, you gotta, but... You got to check the sources on some of these rumors. Well, you're, you're better at this stuff than I am. I'm still learning, so mm. this is Disney-related. Sure. April 1st, Disneyland and Universal mm. Hollywood. 15% capacity they can open. So that's good news. That's good news all around because Disney's going to be a responsible company. They're they're very, very protective of their uh, public persona, public relation kind of persona. I don't know what I'm saying. They, they care about what people think about them. And if they're opening up for 15%, there's, there's some sort of caution there that they kind of, they know the risk, they understand the risk, and they must be at the point where they're like, we can accept the risk. They're, we're not going to have a major breakout at Disneyland. Right. Well, I also know they've kind of been begging the past few months to the governor to let them open. So something, yeah. I guess something finally gave because they're letting Universal open too, so... It's good for Disney. It's good for everybody out in California. So, and I actually, I, I checked Mike because, you know, April 1st is April Fool's Day, but there's a lot of people reporting it. So I, I can't, you know, because when I saw the date, April 1st, I was like, oh, okay, that's April Fool's Day, but there, there's too many people reporting it. Yeah, no, that's true. That one's, that one's true. That one's legit. Okay, good. <laughs> You've checked the sources. 
Yep. Awesome. Yeah, that was official Disney plug. Oh, was it? I think so, if I'm remembering right. Who knows? It was a pretty insane night last night. <laughs> yeah, that. I guess we can talk about it a little bit. We can talk it, about it. Justin Haney, who's one of the mods and one of the co-founders of the Georgia Club, got uh, Tim Effler and Doug Miller, who are Kenner designers, to do a uh, basically a, a virtual panel in the club. And we had it. We did it with Georgia, with the California Club, and with Empire State, which is New York. Uh, kind of simulcast it and yeah that jason i know you helped out behind the scenes mm-hmm. and uh, that was sort of a wild night we heard some some crazy stories of of uh sexual escapades and- yeah. <laughs> i was like can we get back to the toys please <laughs> well you know it was because of that he got to see the, the uh star wars script so that was yeah. kind of fun and then a play-doh doug miller was talking about this play-doh gun he designed where it takes a little like bb of play-doh and shoots it and uh yeah you're just, I made a little popping sound like that yeah it was, it was just a cool it was like an hour and a half and those guys when they get going uh it seems like they could talk for three four hours i think they're finally at the point now where they're kind of you know justin has done a good job and the club has done a good job but when these guys come around we're just like we're cool to have them around and we don't bug them. You know, we, we just want them there. We just want to hear their stories. And, yeah. uh, you know, we're not like, Hey man, you got a prototype because that's when you meet a Kenner yeah. guy, if that's what you lead with, he's going to walk away and he'll never want to talk to you again. Right. Um, so Justin, I got to give Justin, you know, uh, props for, for building these guys up and, and cultivating that relationship with them, uh, and having them come on because, uh, yeah, it was a cool evening. Jay, you got anything to add to that? Because I know you were behind the scenes with it. Yeah, kind of jumping off of what you're just saying, they, they they have some trust with the group. They understand that we're not looking for pre-production items or anything like that. We, we're strictly interested in the stories and the knowledge that they've, the experience that they've had. And, you know, we kind of asked, uh, Mark Ruciano asked the question at the end, did you ever anticipate 40 years later that you would get this kind of reaction for your work. And they're just like, no, absolutely not. And and I think they're very touched that people appreciate what they did and that it mattered, I guess, in, in their world, that it mattered, their work mattered to us and they it helped shape a generation almost. Yeah, it was, and he kind of phrased it right because, you know, he was like a, a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy that might've gone across your desk sells for hundreds of dollars. Yeah. And they were just like- or Business cards too. Yeah. And I've seen the, you know, those photocopies, I've seen them in hand and I'm, I'm like, they're cool, but they're $400 for a photocopy. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, it's it, some of the stuff that's getting out there with the Kenner, if it's tied to Kenner, it, it's, it's amazing yeah. what they, what they go for. And I really, I really appreciate what Mark is doing personally for me. And just to give him a quick shout out, because, you know, I have, I have an interest in, in video production and I kind of do it at my job but it's just video like a five minute video here and there like that's what i've been working on this past week and i actually think i have to go into the office because i have to work on a video today and it's just doing it over the the network is slowing me down so it might be faster just to drive in and to do 20 minutes work and then come home (laughs) than to actually try to do it at home but anyways he was kind enough to just let the camera roll like 
how to explain this. So there's two different systems that he uses. He uses his production system for broadcasting, Tim and Doug and Justin. And, and then on the other side, there's the Zoom aspect where we did our Q&A and he would just kind of connect the two systems when it was time to do the Q&A. And so he had Zoom on and I just watched him work. And he just let me watch him do his thing and problem solve and stuff. And I got, it is a lot. There is a lot going on. He's got his board with his buttons and it doesn't look like the buttons are labeled. So you just have to know what you're pressing in order to go from like a, a shot on, on screen with three people to two people to, you know, you have Tim and Doug on screen and then you switch from Doug to Justin and then you switch to all three of them. And then at some point he puts Tim and Doug on, on left and right sides as a screen and then he puts Zoom in the middle and so it's just like amazing to watch him work. But there was a time when things didn't, there was an issue with his computer and things started to back up. And on the broadcast, everything was going good. But on the back end, what we were hearing was just like, we would talk like this. And, and, and it just was annoying to listen to. And he was trying to figure it out. And I'm just like feeling his panic. He's not panicked at all, by the way. I mean, this is just, another day in the office for him, but I'm, this is my first time just dropped in the middle of it, watching him work. And then it was, and then he figured it out and I'm just like, this guy's freaking awesome. And then, and then at the beginning I had some, I had a, I had a role to do on zoom. Like I was muting all the Q and a people and when it was time for them to, cause I was a co-host in zoom. And when it was time for them to start asking questions, I would unmute them. And then they would come on and ask their question and then they would drop off and I would mute, unmute someone else. So that was basically my role throughout the night, but I wasn't familiar, I guess, enough with the webinar version of zoom. And so I had some questions, but then I would ask my question and Mark's like, don't, don't talk right now. Cause I didn't realize <laughs> I was live. This was before we were live, by mm -hmm. the way, we were, I was li live in the sense that Doug and Tim could hear me and Justin. Mm -hmm. So he had, he had the system kind of open and he didn't shut off Zoom yet. And so then I felt like I couldn't talk at all. And I was just getting flustered. And he's like, Jason, I see you panicking. And I'm, it wasn't really panicking. I was just like, I'm not sure I know 100% what I need to be doing right now. Yeah. And so that was kind of flustering me. And, but, but yeah, so I, it was my first day in the, in the <laughs> his first day in the control room and I was a Padawan ready to jump out a window. <laughs> And Mark's got such a calming voice. Him and David Quinn have got two of the most calming voices I've ever heard. And you could, he, Mark has always been good about like that. When the stuff's hitting a fan, he's like, he, he'll, he's shortened to the point. Cause I, when we were doing stuff on for the virtual social, you know, people would be blowing up the chat with him in it. And he's like, guys, I, I can't talk right now. So, you know, he'd be, yeah. he'd be all right, guys, stop talking to me. But then if he needed to talk to you, he's like, okay, guys, we're going to go to this and we're going to do yeah. that. And I'm ready to come in. And then you're just, it calms you down. And he's, you know, and with all everything being virtual right now, you know, you watch the news and then you watch one of our panels. Our panels look better than the news does, which I just yeah. thank you Mark, for doing that because it just, it blows my mind the amount of time, you know, it's like a five minute conversation before you go live makes it look so much better than just throwing somebody like the news does just throwing somebody on the computer. Yeah the best way I can explain what it felt like to watch imagine walking into a room that's on fire and you're freaking out. You're panicking. You're like the whole room's on fire. We got to do something. Whereas Mark will walk into that same room, look at the fire, just throw some water on it. You'll, yeah. you'll be fine. And that's just, and, and you do that and he's, and he's fine. It's good. Yeah. 
So um, to wrap this segment up real quick, subscribe to the Georgia Alliance of Star Wars Collectors YouTube page because we'll be po uh, posting that and some of the summer social stuff in the coming weeks here. Uh, some of that chat stuff. And I kind of missed the chat last night, so I'm looking forward to watching it because I was on the back end. Like I was like I explained for the past 15 minutes or whatever. <laughs> it's all good, man. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to actually listening to their stories. We did have a chat with them, which was really, really special. It was like a private private panel at a, at a Comic-Con or something with them because there was 23 of us at one point in a chat, a Zoom chat last week. And so there was a couple of things that I thought I would bring up because I thought it was interesting. If you're good with it. Yeah, go for it. They did call like sometimes sometimes with me like I don't really do a deep think of things until someone explains it to me and Tim did call the 70s and the 80s as the golden age of toy making and I'm just like yeah absolutely that's that's true. Um so I just never heard it positioned that way so I just wanted to say that yeah that was the golden age of the toy industry and maybe we're living in a silver age now with like the reaction figures and Funko and stuff like that but I don't think it'll ever be as good as what it once was tim also called the things in our room just room decor now because that's all that they are like they don't get played with they get encased in acrylic carbonite they they're they're like museum pieces that some of these people some of the us collectors we post things uh, uh, sorry i'm getting excited some of us collectors we put things in our rooms in in ways that would make museums envious and so it's just it's it's room decor at this point which again is another way of of thinking of what we do as collectors and what we collect. But one of the cool things that I, I learned was, so obviously they made Indiana Jones toys, they made um, Star Wars toys. And I would have thought when it came to Willow, it would have been a slam dunk. Like absolutely George Lucas is making another movie. Let's, let's take the brand and, and make a toy with it and action figures and vehicles and all that stuff. But that wasn't the case with Willow. They didn't want anything to do with Willow. And I learned that in the toy industry, they would go in for one property in order to get that property. The movie, the movie production companies would say, if you want property A, you also have to take property B. And so they would take property D, property A and B just because they want A. And they would probably not invest as much time into B, but they would still make the toys because they had the obligation to the production company to do that. And so that's what happened with Willow. They kind of got stuck with Willow. They didn't really want to make the Willow toys. They got stuck with it. And I just, I asked them like, it's George Lucas. He's a creative genius on some levels. And, and why didn't you want to take that? And they said it, it just wasn't a slam dunk that, that they say in Hollywood, you're only as good as your last movie. And his last movie was Howard the Duck, which was a bomb. And, and, the, and the word behind the word on the street was that Willow wasn't that good. And so they just didn't want anything to do with Willow. It's got a cult classic status today. And I remember loving it as a child, but that that's the whole story behind that. Wow. Yeah. I had to bail out last week. It stunk that I couldn't see that all, you know, do that whole panel last weekend or chat. Or whatever. Of, yeah. Just a couple other things that came up. Doug Miller said he hit his name on the battle damage tie fighter. And he thought it was like a laser blast or something like that. So we're on the lookout to see what that might be. It's not, we don't know if it's Doug or we don't know if it's Miller that's hidden, but he did, he did mention it was red wires. So I don't know if the red wires and the blast mark spells out Doug or Miller. 
so the search is on he did mention the empire strikes back so i don't know if there was like a production run change between empire and return of the jedi so the, so the search is on to see if we can find that little easter egg in the toys i heard justin comment that he thought it might have actually been the x-wing too so it could be either one that he couldn't remember exactly which one he had put it on yeah i could have swore he said tie fighter but some of the other people were saying x-wing so again the search is on to see if we can find that it was funny in that I was in the chat for that and you could just see everybody like leave their camera and go try to find their sticker sheet or so I tried searching the internet for the for the stuff for the yeah. uh, pictures of the thing of the stickers and I couldn't really find any but you just see the whole room of people disappear to find this stuff to look for it. Yeah, there was a quick rush to be the first person to find it. Yeah, which was awesome. and, and then he also said guys when I did this it was like an eight by 10 and it's been shrunk down to you know, like a four by six or, you know, really, really small. So you need to have a really good lube loop to see it. So it'll be cool if somebody finds it. Search is on. Yeah. The game is afoot. <laughs> and then Jim Jones, who's a bootleg collector asked about their thoughts on bootlegs. And they said that they didn't really worry much about them, that, you know, it's like a, a form of flattery. It was more of a problem for the legal and marketing departments than than them, the toy designers, which was just something, again, I didn't think of. But it makes sense. Right. And so that's all I had for that. I do have a couple other items to talk about. Did you have anything else? No, I'm good. Okay. I hope I don't mess up this name. Indira Varma has joined the Kenobi series. And she played um, Ilaria Sand in Game of Thrones alongside Pedro Pascal. But she's going to be part of the Kenobi series, and she joins Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen. I think that's all that we have for cast so far. Did you see the uh, picture of Ewan all buffed up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's something weird about that. That goes against <laughs> what I would think I would see from Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's just a hermit in the desert. I mean, he doesn't go to the gym. He's just alone. How does he stay fit? Yeah. The one thing I do want from this Kenobi series is an explanation because there was rumors that Qui-Gon's coming back. I want an explanation on Force Ghosts, how that works. Go back to Clone Wars. The Yoda arc in Clone Wars when he goes to Dagobah. And uh, that was, to me, that was, um, I need to go back and rewatch it. But, I do too. Uh, it was Qui-Gon sending Yoga, Yo Yoga, Yoda to Dagobah. And that's why he ends up in Dagobah because there's like a really strong uh drawing there of go of force ghost and qui-gon basically teaches yoda how to become a force ghost or maybe yeah and so obi-wan and i may be getting it all screwed up but i know there's a storyline in clone wars about that yeah the lost season that's that's vaguely familiar i'm gonna have to go back and watch it then yeah i watched oh. them to be honest i watched the movies more than like the animated series so I watch Revenge of the Sith more often than I do the Clone Wars, and and just that's one thing where I'm like, why, why didn't why why wasn't that part of the prequels and half-assed in the sequels, and that's something that really made me upset. So, you have anything more to say about that? Uh, no, because I got I got one more piece about Rise of Skywalker. Okay, Daisy Daisy Ridley has been making the rounds because she's been she's got a new movie coming out called Chaos Walking, and she was asked in an interview by Josh Horowitz about the Ray Skywalker scene at the end of rise of Skywalker. And she said something like, technically it should be Ray Palpatine, but I was mentored by Skywalker, even though he's kind of a dick to me. So yeah, Ray Skywalker, that's me. 
And it just seemed like she was kind of not happy with the ending. And neither was I. Yeah, it's... That whole, the whole scene where she is hearing the voices of the Jedi's past, like that should have been, and somebody's cut that up where they added force ghosts and it just makes that scene a million times better. I feel like the reason they didn't include force ghosts is because they would lose out in money from China, which I think is a horrible way to have a business plan. We, we want to make a movie. We want to tell a story, but we can't tell this part of the story because it's not going to play in China. Oh, because the the way Chinese don't like ghosts. Yeah, there's no afterlife. You can't show the devil. You can't show mystical arts. That's to throw a Disney twist in it, because um, that's why it's not the haunted mansion at Shanghai yes. Disney. Yep. It's a totally different. It's the same ride, but it's totally different. It's uh, a little different. The Phantom Manor. Yeah. But that is a magical gem or something like that. But yeah. From what I've seen about Shanghai Disney, the rides there are supposed to like blow anything here out the water because they're basically brand new rides or redone yep. versions of, of the rides, updated versions. So I think Shanghai Disney is going to be on my list one day. <laughs> Just because it's supposed to be amazing. Yeah. The Pirates of the Caribbean ride alone looks insane. Yeah. It looks like you're in the movie and you're, you submerge be below the surface and you, you kind of fight different creatures, but... Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like it's it sounds like Daisy wasn't happy with the ending, and she was kind of saying she thought she was a no one up until the end of the the movie. Like the actress herself thought Ray was just a no one wow. until until Rise of Skywalker, which I think I think the whole sequel trilogy suffers from a lack of vision and overall vision. It really does because it does feel like it feels like that report when you were in middle school and you had to do a report and you could do a group project. So you'd look at everybody and go, okay, it's a three page project. So you do this page, I'm going to do this page and you do this page and then we'll put them together and it never works. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right with that. It didn't work. Right. And I think I'm dying to know what happened with the George Lucas, um, what do you want to call it? overview of what the sequel trilogy was supposed to be? There was a Force Awakens making of book, which uh-huh. was going to cover all that stuff, but then it got canceled. Huh. I think it was Jay Rinsler, if I remember right, was the author, and it got pretty far, and he, I think he was pretty much done with the book, and then it got canceled. Jeez. So there's just... Like what, I don't know. I, I'm dying to know what George's vision for it was and how it differed because it just seemed like the sequel trilogy kind of went off the rails. I know there's a lot of people who love it and I don't want to be a person who hates on Star Wars. I just felt like it it lacked some vision. Like there should have been a plan and they didn't have a plan. They just let each content creator come up with their own story and tell that story. And they just, the only thing they really prioritized is making sure it didn't contradict anything that was in production or had come before right well did you um there was when the sequel trilogy came out there was an interview that popped up with mark hamill that george lucas told him at the end of jedi i'm gonna come i'm gonna hit you up in about 30 years because we're gonna redo that we're gonna there's a sequel coming up and you're gonna basically be ben kenobi in it you know you're gonna play that ben kenobi character in the sequel trilogy yeah about 30 years and 
That was, I, yeah. Yeah, and I think you needed George Lucas's brain to tell these stories because I think it sounded like every time they tried to add Luke Skywalker into the story, it stopped being back in the Force Awakens development process. Every time they dropped Luke Skywalker into the story, it suddenly was about Luke Skywalker and not about the characters they were creating, Ray and Finn. Right. And so they just pushed that to the end of the movie because they didn't know what to do with him, which literally tossed the baton being that lightsaber to Luke Skywalker at the end, being like, here, next creator, Ryan Johnson, you take it and figure this out. And then when he got it, he's like, F this. Yeah, he threw it, which to me, I kind of love that part in the movie because because JJ seems to just, and I don't remember if I said this or not on the podcast, but JJ just seems to build his stories around mysteries, which is a great strategy, but that can come back and bite you in the butt because sometimes the mysteries are better than the story you're telling. Right. And so when Ryan got the whole thing from JJ, all the mysteries of like who Ray is, Ray's no one. That's that's who she is. And then here's the baton of here's this magical thing. And Luke's just like, forget it. I'll just, I'll just throw it over there. And so I just loved his play on the mysteries. Like it doesn't matter what the mystery is. Let's just tell a good story. All right. And you can debate whether or not Ryan did a good story or not, but I think he did. Yeah. I think if you, like you said, if you take them for what they're worth and just kind of turn your brain off for a couple of hours, they're good. Yeah. The other thing I, I thought Rise of Skywalker was going to be about. So the, the, the title before this is going into the movie, not knowing anything about the Rise of Skywalker. So this played against my expectations a little bit. But The Last Jedi was the name of obviously the, the movie before. And so I thought that was the end of the Jedi and that Rise of Skywalker would mean that there's some new sect of Jedi called Skywalkers and that Ray was creating Skywalkers instead of Jedis. Jedi. Jedi is plural. Yes. Whatever. It's the same plural or singular. Just like I, Lego. Yeah. And what threw me is when I um, was reading the last Thrawn trilogy, they call their navigators Skywalkers. In the in the chist, call their navigators Skywalkers because they they have a, a sense of the Force or whatever. And I was really hoping that that would bring Thrawn into it, mm. and it didn't. Because I even asked him as he's on, and he's like, "Dude, they don't know what I'm doing. They don't care. <laughs> they care, but they don't." I, you know, it was, it was like, "Do you really think they're gonna let me write a movie?" Maybe. I can't stand the rumors that Disney's going to like redo the sequels. That's never going to happen. Disney's moving forward. And I think they're going to try to enhance the sequels and make them better through things like the Mandalorian and Marshall, the new Republic, whatever it's called Rangers of the new Republic. I guess. Cause when you're, when you're writing stuff for TV, you have eight hours to tell it versus a two hour movie. So you can let things stretch out and let things breathe. And uh, you know, now Disney plus, you know, you look at all the more, you look at WandaVision, the stuff that they were doing on WandaVision. There was, I watched at the sequel, there was only a couple of times where I was like, that the, those CGI does, you could tell it's CGI. Other yeah. than that, you know, the eight episode series, the money they spent on that was incredible. Same, you know, so they, they've got an unlimited budget with Disney Plus. So you add that into the fact that they could tell it over eight hours and you're going to get a much better story. Yeah, that can play against you sometimes. I'm glad they limited 
WandaVision is six hours because some of those Marvel Netflix shows were just dragging beyond belief. It was like they had two hours of story and they dragged it out for eight hours. I think Disney Plus is doing a great job with it so far. Yeah. Disney's not going to F. Well, I'm not going to say that F things up, but they can. They can. It's easy to do. Right. But you have the right content makers. You've got Kevin Feige. You've got John Favreau and Dave Filoni. And so I think they're doing a great job. Yes, they the only are. Time, the only time I thought the CG was a little off was actually the first or second episode of The Mandalorian from season one when they were writing the blurgs. It just felt a little fake to me. Mm-hmm. But I think the rest of it, they've upped their game. I mean, I think back to that chase on... Navarro, uh, was it like the fifth episode, I think, of this past season when they're raiding that Imperial base? Mm-hmm. And that whole trench scene was just phenomenal. Yeah. They had the speeder bikes coming down the hill. Yeah, that the speeder epi- bikes doing that jump was just like, wow. The special effects were phenomenal. So I just keep up the great work. <laughs> keep up the, I know Disney's listening right now. Mr. Disney, thank you. Yeah, they're they're one of the eighty people. <laughs> <laughs> but the eighty people love our show, so. Oh my gosh! Yes, thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you, I appreciate it. You talk about the podcast, and they're like, "How you you know how you doing?" I'm like, "Yeah, we you know we're doing good. We went from fifty to sixty. The the you know the audience is building week to week, and they kind of like oh, okay, and they kind of blow off the fact that we're got eighty listeners. And I'm like, you don't realize how awesome that is because I I've played in a band, I've played music most of my adult life. And you practice for, you could practice for like two or three months for a show. You drag all, you throw all your stuff in your car, drive an hour to two hours to the gig, drag it all out, set up, you know, you're setting up two to three hours before the gig. So you've got half a day on gig day before the gig. And then you've got another two or three hours after the gig to break down and drag all your stuff home and two people show up. I love all our 80 listeners and I love the fact that people want to hear us talk. And this to me is just so much easier because I come down in my PJs and we shoot the shit for two hours. Yeah, (laughs) I'm in my PJs. I'm covered in three blankets. I got extra coffee. (laughs) I haven't taken a shower, so my hair's standing straight up. So yeah. So yeah, I will take my 80 listeners any day of the week. For me, that just adds pressure, and I'm starting to think about like, oh shit, I gotta watch what. See, I just swore. <laughs> the filter's <laughs> I, kind of broken down, but I can't think about the 80 listeners. I just got to focus on, you know, I don't have anyone in the house to talk Star Wars to, so this is my opportunity to just chill with Glenn and talk Star Wars all week about right. the week, I should say. Yeah, so, and that's sort of the way we've taken it is just two guys, you know, sitting down at the bar talking Star Wars. Yep, and it seems to work. So thank you for listening. Thank you, listener no it's great i mean we get we get feedback like last week we were told that it was their favorite podcast above rebel force radio those are the guys that opened the door for star wars podcasting and it's just like seriously thank you right that's that's amazing so we really appreciate it we're really grateful for all the the people that listen to us and namaste thank you yes thank you very much so what I need is for you to tell six friends and them to tell six friends and then them to tell six friends. And, and so then we can, you know, you could be so a millionaire. Hard. Yeah. No, I'm not doing this for the money. No, not either. It's, it's fun. It's a fun hobby and I yeah, enjoy it. Absolutely. So this topic this week, I'm very interested in because I am a newbie 
I know nothing about this topic and I'm very interested to learn more. And I'm, I'm hoping that because of my ignorance that someone out there who might not know about this will learn a lot through my ignorance, <laughs> so to speak. Yo, sorry. <laughs> That's my turn. <laughs> yeah, you could introduce it because you're well, the expert. Well, I'm not really the expert. You know more than me. We're going to talk grading this week. Uh, I consider, you know, we're lucky in Atlanta because AFA is right down the street. And uh, I've been able to become friends with Marcy, who's kind of the, the figurehead of AFA. Uh, and then Ross Barr, who's the figurehead of CAS. So I consider myself fortunate to count those guys as my friends. And, and we just, we wanted to talk about grading and, and not really say one company's better than the other. Just talk about grading in general and answer some questions, uh, you know, and just talk about it for a little bit and, and uh, you know, talk about why you want to grade and what you should grade and who's, who's, you know, has the edge on certain things because I, I, I don't, I don't want to give it away, but I definitely, I think it's, it's an apples and oranges thing when you look at the grading companies and uh, you know, it, it depends on what I'm grading as to who gets it, you know? Um, hmm. But yeah, it's a, it's a controversial subject in star Wars because you got people who love it. You got people who hate it. And we'll start with the beginning, I guess. What's the difference between CAS and AFA from a politically neutral standpoint, politically neutral standpoint. Uh, I would think a AFA is sort of the, the, the new, the big kid on the block, you, you know, they've, they've been around the longest and they're kind of the gold standard um, as far as grading goes. A, and people will pay a little bit more for an AFA graded figure versus a CAS graded figure. Cause CAS, I think they're like four or five years old. AFA is more, they're more um, struck, not structure is not the right term, but they're more formal. Cause they're like, this is what we look for. And this is, you know, they're not willing to, not take chances, but a CAS, when you send CAS will grade and they do custom grading and custom uh, casing, which is insane where AFA won't do that. Uh, and CAS has kind of been an answer to uh, a lot of issues we were having in the, uh, in the collecting community. CAS has found a way around, not around a lot of stuff, but has solved some issues that we've had that we can get into later as far as with you grading. Um, but yeah, it truthfully, it depends on, on what kind of mood I'm in or what I'm grading, you know, as to who gets what, but like I said, AFA, they're more structured. CAS is a little bit more, I, I guess if you want to, yeah, AFA is like the old school and CAS is the up and comer that's challenging the old school guys to rethink things. And they have on a couple of issues. Competition is always great. Yes, it is. It's good to have the competition. Um, you know, CAS is in Florida and AFA is located in Atlanta. There's something, and this is not anything to do with Star Wars, but it's it's related to competition. There's something called the Southwest effect at airports. When Southwest comes into an airport, all the rate fares drop. So it's always great to have competition because it makes people competitive. Right. When you say like, <laughs> depending on which mood you're in, you'll go CAS or AFA. And it just makes me think like you wake up out of bed and you're just like, today's an AFA day. <laughs> it's not that bad, but you know, like... Um... Just so I'll, I'll use this as a sample. AFA, I don't think, AFA doesn't grade slides. So there's a lot of, uh, mm. you know, uh, Kim Simmons art that's out there. And I have a slide and I wanted it graded. I wanted it to be, basically I wanted it graded to protect it. And I wanted it graded to, uh, to display it better because there's no good way of displaying a slide, a loose 35 millimeter slide. 
well, I sent it to, to CAS because they grade slides. I'll just use this as an example. CAS has this thing that they, um, like if you send them a loose card back with a loose figure, they'll grade them together. And they'll, they'll, what they'll do is they'll avoid, they won't grade the card back, but they'll grade the figure. And they case it together where it looks like, if you see it from afar, it looks like it's a men on card figure. Yeah. Uh, if you do that with AFA, their rules are, well, if we're going to do that, we can't put an ungraded figure, ungraded piece with a graded piece. So what they end up doing is they grade the figure, encase it in acrylic. So you've got the you know standard acrylic, and then they'll box, they'll case that in a case with the card back. Mm-hmm. So you have a card back with the AFA encased in plat and acrylic, and then you've got the figure that's encased in its own acrylic next to the card back or in front of the card back. So it doesn't, it's not as pleasing to the eye as CAS's. Mm. Yeah, I have so many questions because now I've got that <laughs> that playset coming. And so yeah, so I went to Hobby Lobby to look at basketball um, display sets because mm-hmm. it's just like a square plastic piece of plastic that you just drop onto a base, and so I could have it open. But like, do I want it? I don't know how to display that. I don't know how to if because the cool thing about getting it encased in acrylic carbonite is that you can get it um authentic authenticated yeah that's the right word yeah for whatever reason my tongue was too big in my mouth for a second there but yeah so they can go back and say no absolutely this is a hard copy prototype because god forbid something happens to me and i'm not immortal like i think i am (laughs) and my kids have to take care of it like they have to sell the piece like it's great to have on the side of it that this is a prototype right so it's like, do I do that or do I just put it in a casing? Because I guess one of my questions is, you know, what what's the difference between grading and archiving? Like, I guess it, as, a, as a collector, you know, you might not have a piece that you want graded necessarily, but you want to take care of it. So in that case, you might want it in acrylic, right? Right. So what would be some candidates between those two, I guess? Like, like, let's say I have, because these, these things are 40 year old toys. Like, right. It's very, very rare that you're going to have a, um, a, a pristine piece, a mint on card, but you know, some of it might have a bent card or it's got something wrong with it. Like, how do you know that? Yes, this should be something you should archive because it could get worse. I guess it depends on what, if you think it's going to grade good or not. Uh, because if you archive it, okay. So I'm going to throw another thing into it. Uh, the acrylic cases that Ian, Ian Sanderson does. Um, they do, right. he does make a, a case that you could put a mint on card figure in. Uh, and he does, you know, and those are, they look awesome. I love Ian's stuff. Archiving is grading is what I'm trying to get at. Um, because they're still gonna, you're paying the same amount of money. You know, if you send something to AFA and say, I just want it archived, they're, they're still gonna charge you the same because they're still having to do the work to uh, put make the, the case and to seal the case and everything. Mm-hmm. So you might as well just get it graded. Uh, Ian stuff is good. If you don't want to spend, you know, okay. I guess the thing, it would be cost. There's that's the, what I'm looking for. Mm. Um, you know, to get a mint on card, something graded, it'll run you to 80 to a hundred dollars. Where if you go to Ian, you're paying either 13, between 13 and $20 yeah. for his cases. So I guess that's where I'm, that would be my, my thing. 
because I know with the, 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 the like I was talking about the CAS with the, the card back and the loose figure to do, I was going to do a 12 back run. And I had a couple that I bought that had already been done. I had a, uh, that had already been encased at CAS. And then when I started looking into it, you've, you're at, okay, it's a hundred dollars to just get that cased. I can go to Ian and pay $22 and get a case that looks just as good, but it's not sealed. So it's like mm-hmm. I can encase everything for $200 or I can encase it in case everything you go send it to CAS and it costs 1200. Um, so I guess it would be a cost effective thing, you know, as far as if you want to just buy a case from Ian or get it archived uh, through CAS or AFA, yeah. um, you know, you want to be careful. You don't want to send a, I guess a crap figure, but then there's guys that do that on purpose to see what, you know, I've seen people send stuff to yeah. see what the lowest grade they can get on purpose, uh, you know, just for I've also, I've also seen some people on YouTube kind of crack open the same figure and send it back in. Really? Yeah. Just, just to see, to see what, what happened. Yeah. See what kind of grade it would get. Yeah. I mean, it's all subjective. It's all like, yeah, this looks like a what, 85 grade or whatever. But then it comes back the next time it's an 83 grade or an 87 or whatever but so right. it does sound it sounds like for from what i'm kind of sensing here you know if you want to possibly resell that way you're, you're ensuring that it's it's archived that it's authentic all of it is the card back the bubble the figure the, the weapons all that stuff it's all authentic that might be a reason to get it um um what's the word oh, archi- archived right and or if you just wanted to preserve something. Yeah, th- exactly. There you go. If you're, cause you know, people, I know people that, you know, let's say you, you're looking for a vinyl Cape Jawa, you people will purposely pay the extra money for one that's been graded because they know it's authentic. Right. Nobody wants to spend money and then learn later on that. No, that was a fake Cape. Right. Okay. And, you know, and they, you know, like, let's say you have a bubble that's coming loose or, or something and you're trying to preserve that, you can send it and let them know, hey, I want, they, they do make bubble protection or ways to protect the bubble to where it's not going to come off. Or if it does come off, it's still sort of attached to the card. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing you could look at. Okay. 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 I'm getting it. I'm getting yeah. it. I'm on board. Um, What is U-grade and why don't you want it? U-grade, there's basically two forms of U-grade. There's one where you can send them like a case of Black Series figures. You buy a case from where at Walmart. You go to Walmart and you buy an unopened case. You mm-hmm. send that case to AFA, unopened. AFA will take that case, open it up, and grade each figure you grade because no human hands, quote unquote, has touched the figure. It's been a, it's an uncirculated figure. Is basically oh. what you grade means. Oh. Yeah. So I have, I have an ungraded figure. Which one? <laughs> yak face from the sail barge because because afa is right here i just took my box uh-huh. unopened dropped it off they pulled out the the yak face and graded it on ungraded or um, uncirculated right so that's there you go that's a perfect example so that's what you is okay right that cool. and then that's the good form of you great that so that that like i just said you get a, a, a unopened case you send it to afa afa opens it and they grade it you grade uncirculated the bad form of u-grade is when you take a vintage figure 
men on card. Let's say you you find a, a Boba Fett men on card, but the card's crap and it's coming out. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, the, the card's falling apart, the bubble's cracked and um, people will take that, send that to AFA. And AFA has stopped doing this because of mm-hmm. the pr- pressure from the community. They've stopped doing this. And they will they were they were opening that up and grading the figure uncirculated. So you could get a higher grade, but then it has you in front of it. So Okay. Yeah, that's that's where the turmoil was in the community a few years ago was opening a men on card that they're not they're not making men on cards anymore. They're not making these figures anymore. So why would you want to open it up and destroy something that somebody else may want because you want a pristine figure? Right. That makes sense. You know, because you could take you could in all honesty and ethically, what you should do is sell that card, you know, to somebody who wants it. So it might not be min on card. It could be a beater beater card, but the figure has been uncirculated in theory. But at the same time, you're destroying a piece of history because it is still on card. Correct. And it is 40 years later. And the expectation that you're going to get a full set of mint on card is just out of reach at this point right, right. so when they, when they say men on card they're not talking about the card they're talking about the figure so the figure is meant on a card yeah. Yeah. no matter what condition the card is in it's still a men on card figure okay okay i'm cruising here i get yeah. it so that and and you are destroying history and they're uh one thing that cas did to battle this afa is just like we're not doing this anymore we're not doing u grade and what cas is doing they do a, what they call a prestige grade which they will just grade the figure. You send them the, the card and you say, I want, a pre- I want it prestige graded. Um, they will just grade the figure and forget about the card back. They'll discard the card back. So you, then you get it back. It, it, it's, been, you know, it's encased and they just grade the, the... So the card may be like a 20, but the figure may grade a 90. So they grade it a prestige grade 90. So they'll... they'll, they'll so if I understand this right, they'll put the card... So it's a it's a beater card back basically, but they kind of just put it in a, a case and just say that we're we're disregarding the the condition of the card back and we're just looking at the figure. Correct. But they won't peel it off the card back. Correct. Okay. So they they encase it just like a regular mint on card, but then it's what they call prestige grading, which means they just grade the figure. See, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Oh, cool. And there's uh, they also do that with cut cards, which uh, what a card card is is like. Uh, you know, the parents wanted to put it in a, well, there's two ways. The Either it was you were sending stuff back. Because if you ever go to a flea market and you see magazines without the covers, what yep. happens is uh, the retailer to get credit for those magazines will cut the cover off of it and send it back to the produ- to publisher. And the publisher will give them credit because they think the magazine is getting destroyed, where in fact, they're somebody they gave it to somebody and somebody's selling it at a flea market. Um, and it could be the same thing. It's kind of the same thing with a cut card you cut them and send it back or but then also people would do put it in stuffing and stockings and stuff or they wanted to put it in a card or they they didn't have the room to do it you know wrap it correctly so what they would do is they cut the figure uh, they cut the bubble with the figure in it off the card and stuff it in a stocking or they put it in you know put it in the bag or whatever mm-hmm. afa is doing the same thing with with cut cards where they're mm you know, totally disregarding. And that's another thing people, you know, if it's, if it's, if a card, if a figure's in a bubble, it's best just to leave it in the bubble, no matter what kind of condition the bubble or the fig or the cards in. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. 
Very cool. Is there ever a reason to open a graded item? People do this all the time. I don't see the point in doing it. And it's more anti-grading people that'll buy a figure. And I think for shock value, they'll open it up because they want the figure, but they don't care that, you know, they don't want it graded, but they want the figure. So then they'll open it up and, uh, you know, display the figure loose. But I, I personally don't see the point in doing it. Thank Farrick. Yeah. That's crazy. Just to prove a point. Dedicated to the cows. The only other reason I would see wanting to open it up a cart, a graded figure is if it didn't grade, if it graded really low and you thought that wasn't fair. Like if you thought a figure was an 85 and it graded a 70, people will open it up because a grade makes a big difference. If you're, you know, going from an 80 to an 85 could be a $50 jump. And then if you go from an 85 to a 90, which is a very hard grade to get, you're talking about a hundred dollar jump real fast. Mm. So grades do play into um, yeah pricing. Resale value. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have the Cantina, not the Cantina, Max Rebo band from Return of the Jedi. You know this. I have the silver flute black microphone version of it. And I would want to get that graded because I was told it's, it's in decent condition. And I, I don't know how rare it is, but I don't want to get it preserved. I want to get it preserved so it looks like they're actually playing their instruments. Like, I don't want it so it's just like, here's Max Rebo and here's his piano set. And here's, you know, and it sounds like that's more of a CAS thing because AFA wouldn't be as creative with their pre- preservation. Correct. Okay. A- AFA, I think, is more of a, here's, you know, here's the instrument. Here's the, you know, they got to encase everything kind of separately. Whereas CAS would, uh, you know, you say, hey, I want them look, you know, make it look like they're playing their instruments. Then they, they didn't case it like that. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some crazy stuff CAS does. Yeah, They do some great work. Yeah, they really do. If you're going to grade that play set, I would send it to CAS. It's, it, I guess it's a, it's a double-edged sword because I'm not 100% sure CAS can authenticate that it's a first shot or a production, you know, pre-production yeah. piece. If you're wanting it just, you know, encased awesome, I'd send it to CAS. But if you're wanting it authenticated, AFA is the place to go. But, you know, a phone call to CAS could, will, you know, answer that question because both of them are pretty good, you know, yeah. customer service wise. Yeah. They still don't know what to do with the uh, Emperor's Royal Guard playset. Right. I don't know what to do with that because it does sound like, like, I don't know if you can position that where all the pieces look like they're inside and position like in the playset itself. I don't know. I'm just... Yeah, that would be tough. Because um, it seems like it would. You can open up the playset and put that in 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 acrylic, and then put the figures kind of lower in acrylic beside it. But like, if you close the playset, you're going to miss everything on the inside. I don't know. Right, don't and know. then if you open the playset, you miss everything on the outside. Right. That's a tough. Yeah. One. I don't, I don't know what, what? I don't know what I, I truthfully I don't know if I'd grade that because then you can you know get it out and you could you could mess with it you know that's one of the bad things about grading something especially like that is once it's graded it's done you can never touch it you can never play with it you can never you know oh I want to you know let me 
you know, I want to see what's on the bottom of this. You know what I mean? Once yeah. it's in a case, it's in a case. You're done. You, it's it's away from human hands. You you can never to physically touch it again. I do have a question about this plane, but we'll get that after the uh, the the topic here. Okay. What are uh, what are some of your most favorite graded items that you have? My favorite is probably my yak face, just because I I have a a graded yak face, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's something I bought at celebration and then pieced it together with the with the weapon. And then sent it to CAS, uh, and it it graded like an eighty, which I'm, you know, that for what it was, I thought that was a fair grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have a uh, Mandalorian, the carbonized Mandalorian that I got graded, uh, that graded a ninety, which is an insane grade. And I think that's I've picked up a few odds and ends. Uh, I've got a Luke X-wing that I've got graded. I don't have a whole lot graded. I've got a uh, I got that uh, Ken Simmons uh, slide production slide yep that's graded so that one's a pretty cool piece um and i'm trying to think what else and then i have a hand a han hoth gear that's graded so i've only got like four or five pieces that i've gotten graded i have let's see i have the luke x-wing black series pilot from celebration the the one where he's on the card back and it's got the star wars card back the foil treatment on it i got that graded i don't remember what it was graded I got that from CAS. Got the um, yak face from the sail barge graded from AFA just because they're in the back, our backyard, and I was able to take the box and open, and they opened it and all that, so it's uncirculated. I got from CAS, I got the salacious crumb. There was a time when Entertainment Earth found like a box of unopened bagged salacious crumbs. Uh-huh. So I bought two of them, and the one that I thought looked better, I had them encased in, in acrylic carbonite. I don't know why I love that term so much. <laughs> That's sort of the, the yeah. The but, people that don't like grading, they call that. Do they call it that? Yeah, I kind of call it carbonite. I've heard it. I've heard it referenced. It's not, well, yeah. I don't, I don't mean it as a dig, so I'm going to stop saying that. No, it's all good, man. It's, it's fun to say, though. But that's basically what you're doing is in carbonite. Yeah. And then I also, I also got the San Diego Comic-Con Luke X-Wing um, speeder. Not uh-huh. X-Wing speeder, sorry. His, his land speeder. He, there was a version where he's in his land speeder. He's like sitting in it and it comes with extra pieces and stuff. But the front part of it is plastic and it was kind of sticking out at a bookshelf at the time. And my kids were young and I could just foresee one of them bumping into the side of it and bent, bending the plastic. So I went ahead and got that sent off to, I think, CAS and they graded that. And really that was just more for archival, mm-hmm. just to make sure that it stayed protected. That must be massive because I know that's a, that's a pretty big piece to begin with. Yeah, it's it's a pretty big piece. I'm looking at it now. <laughs> How much did that run you? I'm trying to remember. It was a couple hundred bucks. Wow. But see, that's another drawback to grading. It it yeah. can get, it gets expensive really fast. Yeah, I have the yeah. That's that's the reason why I'm holding out and why Ian Sanderson's just acrylic pieces sound like a great idea. Cause I have five return of the Jedi min on card figures that I would just, I don't necessarily want to spend the hundreds of dollars to get them graded. Cause some of them aren't in the greatest shape. They, they're yellow bubbles and stuff like that, but I would just slide it into acrylic just to keep it safe. They're in star cases right now, but I think I want something more firm than just the, the flimsy plastic. Yeah. The, when you get a, 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 st- a case from Ian going from, from a case from Ian to a star case, it's such a good upgrade. They, yeah, they look yeah. so much better. Just, 
yeah, <laughs> it, it makes it look more professional, quote unquote, or the presentation just it takes your presentation up a notch when you do that. Do you have anything that you wish you could get graded right now? If I was going to grade something right now, I've got a Death Star Escape playset. I think it is. It's in a white box from the micro collection. Uh, I don't know how. I don't know if it was a mail away. I don't know the story. It's not a hundred percent. I haven't. I think it was part of a playset or it was a mail away. I'm not sure. But all it is is in a white box, and I've got one that's. Uh, you know, the tapes come apart over the years uh, on the inside of it because they just tape the figure to the cardboard, and. Um, but everything's still it's on it's on it's in unplayed with condition. I'd love to get that cased up, and it's gonna it, from CAS. It would run about one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars. But that's where they could do what they call an exploded uh, display, where they take all the figures and they put them in their own little piece of plastic, and then you you have all the, the they lay the playset out, and you know so you can really look at it and hold it and see it. Uh, that if I if I was gonna grade something right now today, that would be what I'd grade. And it would be strictly to display it so I can display it better. Yeah. See, I have a couple things that I think I would want to get graded just to protect them. I have the uh, the Jedi Temple Guard from Star Wars Rebels. Uh-huh. But he's got the security. He's still carded and he's got the security tracking on the back, which means that it's sort of a prototype. Nice. And so I'd want that graded and authenticated. But I'm afraid because... There's the number on the back that if it got out, the person who who did it, who who leaked the, the figure, might get in trouble. That I, I wouldn't worry about that. I would when you, it's more when you post it on social media. That's why you see okay. uh, a lot of people that are into prototypes. And if I do post my prototypes, I make sure that I bleep that number out because they can't yeah. be tracked back to those people. Okay. Because speaking of prototypes, I also have two of the Han Solo. The Force Awakened prototypes, uh-huh. Black Series. I'm just looking for the Irish version where he's all green. So when I get that, I'd want to get the production version and then put them all four together and get those uh, graded. And I just thought that would make great presentation. Oh, that would make that would be incredible. And that's something again. You send that down to CAS. I mean, AFA I think is catching up to what CAS is doing, mm-hmm. but I, I, CAS is more liberal with their you know, casing practices. So that's something I'd send the CAS right away as soon as you got it. Yep. So we'll see if I can get my hands on the green Irish version of Han Solo. Well, you're having such a good year so far. Oh, please don't. don't, don't. (laughs) It's like a blessing and a curse right now. (laughs) I need another job. (laughs) But that's a good thing to have, man. That's sort of how my last year started off where all of a sudden you're like, you know, oh, I don't, I want all this stuff and stuff just falls in your lap. And it, it's a good, it's a good problem to have. But yeah, like you said, it's a blessing and a curse because you don't have any money when the $20 piece showed up because you just blew all your cash on the, you know, whatever your pieces cost, you know? Yeah. This past year has just been amazing in so many different ways. And at the same time with the coronavirus, it's been a curse. And I've known so many people, so many more collectors over the past year because we're on virtual stuff and like I'm helping with the virtual social and I'm making videos for the Georgia Alliance and helping promote that and helping make that one of the premier, in my opinion, one of the premier um, collector groups out there. Not, I don't want to I always shy away from sounding like I have an ego, 
Mm-hmm. And so I'm not, I'm just trying to be cautious, but I honestly genuinely feel like our group is a great group and it's one of the best groups out there. Yeah. And not it's the, but not necessarily the best, but one of, I, I think us and empire and Besbin and uh, now Cal, the new California group, you know, we've kind of got an, an alliance quote unquote. And uh, yeah, it, we all work together. Uh, and I think we've, we've got a good group of people in the Georgia group that, uh you know, we're fortunate because, you know, you know, you know, the production into things, Jason TK knows it and Justin knows some of that. So we've got three or four people that, that really know their stuff when it comes to the background stuff. And uh, I mean, truthfully, without Justin's drive, yeah, you know, this club would be nowhere near what it is. Yeah. I, uh, I don't want to see the day when Justin decides he wants to take a step back and focus on something else. Right. Cause I think, I mean, driving force of the the group is going to kind of uh slow down yeah i mean he's he's the reason why we're where we're at um you know as far as a national level goes because he you know he he knows how to to network and he's very he's a very good networker so i I gotta give it to him he's he's been the driving force the last three or four years with this club but just thinking back to a year ago, thinking like it would be nice to have a micro machine prototype, but I've never seen one before, and I don't think I'll ever get one. And now I'm like, whoa! Right, I have so many. And you just you know where to look, and you know that the good thing about being involved with with clubs is people know, okay, Jason's a micro machines guy, so if I see something, I'm going to send it send it his way, and that you know it's good to let people know what you're into because everybody looks out for each other. Yep, and that's just so touching right that we're all supportive of each other right um do you have anything else for grading because i just have a quick question uh i don't think so i think we covered everything okay your prototypes the way i've kind of displayed them in my micro machines they're kind of just all mixed together Uh uh-huh so i have all my the production play sets together and i kind of do it in order where they kind of came out the i put them in order of the the what am i trying to say can't, can't do one episode without my brain seizing up and <laughs> blocking all my thoughts. So they're kind of in order of the way they came out and, and on the shelves and stuff. And I kind of have my prototypes just mixed in with everything. But it was suggested to me that it might be cool to have all the prototypes together. So I was just curious what your thoughts were. Do you have all your prototypes together? Or are they kind of mixed about? Um, it de- which pro- it, it depends on which ones they are. I've got... Uh, I've got like a paint sample FET that's mixed in with all my other FETs, but then I have a two-up Action Masters that's sitting with my other pro- uh, prototypes. Um, so I guess to answer your question, it just depends. Like all my Galactic Heroes prototypes are in one spot. The only Galactic Heroes I have put up are the prototype stuff, and then I've got the stuff that's in boxes put up. But if I buy a loose Galactic Heroes, I have a big tub that's for my grandkids to play with, uh, and they know it, and that's their toys. But um, shit, yeah. I, there you go. I, where was I going with this? I don't know. Uh, yeah, like I said, it depends on what on the on the piece. But okay. I don't have that many. But like, I've got some product pre-production art that's hanging on my wall, and it's mixed in with all my other art. Uh, so it's a combination. But the only things that are really separated are my Galactic Heroes, just because uh, the, all those other things are for play. I, I, they're strictly for the grandbabies. Yeah, I think I have some redecorating to do in my my room here. Next to my TV, I have two of those 
what are they called? The the display cases that were made for action figures from IKEA. Uh-huh, the Dolos. Dolos, thank you. I was gonna say Detwolfs, but I don't. I, they may. We both baby. We <laughs> the, both the baby. Right. Burgers? <laughs> That's Swedish my... meatballs. Yeah, <laughs> when I walk through IKEA, I just try and pronounce things, and it ends up just coming out. Chicken <laughs> just looks like a bunch of bunch of consonants thrown together but yeah my intent with these two towers that i have next to my tvs they're kind of flanking the tv was to put the vintage stuff in there but i think i might take one of the shelves and just make it prototype micro machines that would be awesome i think think, i'm gonna do i think you really need to kind of um highlight your your pre-production stuff Mm -hmm. so yeah i would do that with it cool I got yeah. something to do this week. Yeah. But it's never ending. Of course. <laughs> it's a never ending collection. But that can carry into another subject. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Another show. But um, what other? Well, go ahead. Anything else that we should talk about? I, I can't think. I mean, you, we go through all the questions you had. I think the only thing is just what makes a great candidate for grading, but it just sounds like it's, it's all in the eye of the beholder. If you have a piece that you cherish and want to archive, um, I mean, there's, there's, there's um, other things other than grading. There's, you just buy the acrylic case and put it in yourself. If you just want to take care of it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to grade it and archive it. I guess grading and archiving are two different things. Yes and no. I I get I think we're going, I, I think my brain is stuck on grading and archiving as being the same thing. Okay. Whereas you're like, you know, you could do what, you know, buy the case from Ian. Cause I do have, you know, and I guess. That's more protective than you're right. right. It's more. So it's grading more, and archiving. Go ahead. No, grading and archiving are kind of the same thing. Protecting is completely different, which is what Ian would offer. I have a blue snag that. It would not, it would grade probably a 65 because the, the boots would just look like crap, but mm-hmm. I have it in a, just an acrylic case. It's, it's just standing in its own little case. That way people see it. They know there's something special about that figure, but it's not, I didn't have to spend a hundred dollars on getting it graded and then it graded a 70 or not even no, a loose figure is about 60 bucks, but you know, I'm not hurting the value of the figure, putting it in a great, great and getting it graded. It's still valuable because it's a blue snag. Those went from $100 to $200 overnight, My it gosh. feels like. They're going uh, up higher, too. Yeah, if you get a good one, they're in the three to 350 range. But, um, yeah, and it's just – it's a special piece to me because it's sort of the – it's the piece that started everything. It was the first piece I bought off of Justin. So uh, I'd like to keep it – you know, make it that special, make it stand out a little bit. So I've just got it in a little figure uh, case, mm-hmm. slide bottom figure case, so – Oh, beans, jelly bean. Yeah, man. Awesome. Anything else? No, I don't have any other questions. Jason, thanks for joining me today. Have a good My rest pleasure. of your day. You too, sir. All right. <laughs> this is the way. This is the way.